Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, there we go. Yeah, it is. I was going to say, where Sean usually steps in. I know. I, I, I can never see on my end. I think there's a lag. Anyway, we are live, and it is us. It is the UFC 294. Uh, breakdown, Fight IQ show, whatever you would like to call this. Uh, my name is Chris. I will be your host this evening. With me, not as always, but as ever, is Joe Sun Tzu. We all know him. And friend of the show, Drake Burden, also fellow RotoWire contributor. And uh, I guess, Drake, I'll start with you first. How you doing, my friend? And uh, how you feeling about this card? I'm doing good, man. And I am super pumped for this card. It's probably the best card that we've seen in the last few months, uh, up and down. I am really looking forward to this, particularly that main event. Yeah, that particularly the main event, and for me, particularly the co-main event, like both of the uh, the top of this card very much, uh, which is not something that we can always say about uh, the main cards in these pay-per-views, as Drake and I were discussing, but uh, we'll get to that as well. Joe, I understand. I'm, I may as well bring it up, because I know you're going to tell us. You had a great week last week. I understand that. And uh, I gather you're going for two in a row. Tell us about what went down last week and how you're feeling about this card as well. Yeah, so I, I was asked um, by, you know, uh, the, the guys at DFS Army if I could fill in because Monk Petition, who is, you know, has a great way of, uh, interesting way of looking at fights. Like he's the data guy. Um, he was doing something, I think, moving. And they asked me if I could could kind of, pitch in so I said okay let's let's do it on Friday and I jumped in and I you know I think I went 10 and 1 or or 10 and 1 or 11 and no I'd have to rewatch it back on my picks but also how you you know that you give kill shots and I said my my favorite kill shot parlay was Barbosa and Darren Elkins both at big plus money which mm. hit I said my favorite underdog play was Darren Elkins who hit um unfortunately as it relates to DraftKings it was probably the lightest I had played all year because I got burned and buried the week before with the Philip Lynn's Kutlava debacle and Grant Dawson getting nuked. So I played really light. Now, to balance that off, you know, again, uh, dropping names of other shows here, our good friends at Dog at Dogger Pass, Cody Safdick, they do at the end of their show what they call PRP, which is a parlay using fighters from all 11 fights. And they usually hit it once or twice a year. And I don't always play it, to be honest. But I had a $25 free bet on DraftKings Sportsbook. And I'm like, let me play the PRP. Ten fights in, they're 10-0 and 0 on the PRP. So it comes down to the main event. The PRP has Barbosa on it. So my, my $25 free wager is now, I'm, I'm playing for north of $8,000. So with Barbosa, so I'm like, shit, what do I do? I, I, I decide to hedge. So I hedge, I hedge out by putting 3500 on Sadiq Youssef to win 2000 And I'm figuring, you know what? I'll win 2000 you know, or I'll win around 5000 So I kind of like to hedge. And 
boy, did that hedge look good in the first 60 uh-huh. seconds of that fight. And then it kind of went out. So I do have a couple of dogs that I like on this card. I'm not going to bury the lead, but I have a couple of dogs that I like. And one in particular where I think the line should be flipped. I'm not really sure how the line got set or who said it, but I think the line should be flipped and, and someone I'm going to be really going hard on. And the last point I want to make is because we did not discuss this before we went live. Where is Drake geographically? Are you a Midwestern guy, Drake? Yeah, I'm in uh, Wisconsin. Okay. So you are like true blue rotowire. Yeah. Okay. I'm 15 minutes from the office. Okay. So you're in the land of Kringle and, and cheese. Yeah. Got it. I love Kringles, by the way. Um, you know, those little pastry thingies like Danishes. Like I sometimes, ONS Bakery, I, I order them. Uh, okay. That's enough. All right. Uh, absolutely. Well, uh, maybe Joe will tell us more about his favorite snack foods later. For now, I want to tell everyone that uh, if you want to get Rotowire free for 10 days, you can go to www.rotowire.com backslash free. No credit card required. 10 days of a lot of content. I also wanted to mention very quickly that our new MMA optimizer has been rolled out for this card. New customizations. Joe, you might like this because I know that you've always mentioned in the past, you like keeping a tight core of certain players that you like and then building around those. Well, we have conditional grouping here. You can say, let's say I want Islam Makachev in the lineup. And when Makachev's in the lineup, I always want these guys in there with him. And you can build around that way. So a lot of customizations, a lot of things to look at. Definitely check that out for now. And now that we are done with all of that, we can finally get to the card. And the first fight on this card is Bruno Silva. Well, I will go with the favorite first. Why not? It is Sara Magadomov. I'm sorry, Sara Magomedov. I'm doing really well to start at 8,600, taking on Bruno Silva at 7,600. Line on this fight. Uh, Magomedov, minus 325. Bruno Silva, comeback, plus 240. Um, This is an interesting one for me because at first blush, it's like, you know, two aggressive fighters, kind of a whirlwind. Uh, somebody's probably going to drop, so you're going to probably want to have it in your lineups. Um, but then when I thought about it a little bit more, I looked at a little bit more tape. Yes, they're both aggressive. Yes, they're both going to sort of bull in China shop. But um, as much as you think of Bruno Silva as that wild, aggressive guy, I, I also think of him as the guy who's more likely to throw straight shots here. I think of Magomedov, I will get it right one of these days, as more of a like a spin kicky kind of energy zapping kind of guy who if he's not going to get a quick finish uh might go ahead and waste his energy here we know how tough bruno silva is not that he can't be knocked out uh the fight against platon we saw how much damage he can take and uh you know first time in first time at this level of competition and i just don't feel great about it Hey, so Chris, uh, tell us about MAGA's wins under modified rules. Why don't you tell our listening audience what that's all about? About, uh, I don't know. You go ahead, Joe. You see, yeah, to, so uh, this is this. Uh, they only have one eye. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sure, of course. Yeah, so they actually well, had put some, in the past put some modified rules, and I don't know exactly how they were modified, but okay. he put some modified rules together. They, you know, the organization that he was fighting for. Um, and you know, so some of those wins are questionable, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, no, that doesn't surprise me. I, I did know about the one eye thing. Um, I, I didn't quite know about all the modified rules, but that is very interesting. And another reason maybe to go for Silva, uh, even, even strengthen, sweeten the pot there. But uh, I will go to our guest of honor first, uh, which is not Joe. And Drake, uh, how do you feel about this one? Are you leading off with the dog as I am, or are you going with the kind of hot new prospect on his way in? I'll preface it by saying that Silva has 20 knockouts to his name and is always live. That said, Magomedov is uh, already an experienced kickboxer. He was 18-2 in his kickboxing career. Moved to MMA where he is now 11-0. Ten of those are knockouts. He fights hard. He fights fast. And I'm not sure that Silva is going to be able to keep up with him. Yeah, no, I, that's definitely um... – Definitely everybody's live here. I, I and I want to like I like going to the first fight anyway, just out of a superstition kind of. I I don't like if it finishes and then I have to just sit there with the rest of the night knowing that I can't be on the optimal. But this time you should actually have them because they are probably going to be on the optimal. Um, all right, Joe, um, you talked about him a little bit. Does that mean you're going silver here, or are you still going? No, I, I like I, I'm going with Drake here. I, I like Maga. I mean, here's the thing, right? So. They're probably doing MAGA a favor by not putting him in there with a wrestler and actually letting him fight a striker. Um, MAGA, you know, what I've watched is he's pretty light on his feet. He tends to hop, you know, move a lot, hop a lot. I think he's got better movement than than Silva. So it wouldn't surprise me if he caught him, Silva with something trying to come in, you know, or just cut him off as he circles to Will. Thank Will. Thank you, Will. Um, you know, so I, I like Mog here. Yeah, I'll have a few shares of Silva. I haven't looked at ownerships yet, but I'll probably be right on target. Um, I, I am gonna, you know, I'm not gonna bury the lead. I did max <laughs> uh this this card because I am not playing any cash games at all. This is a pure GPP card for me. So I maxed the three dollar and I maxed the, the twenty-five dollar, and I'm I'm doing 150 lineups, so I'm gonna have my ownership spread out. Um, you know, what I tend to do with the lineup optimizer. And that was great, Chris. I was not aware of the, the enhancements made to the Rotowire optimizer. I'm going to have to kick the tires on it. You know, I like to go in and, and set my own percentages for ownership. And that's what I use as a basis for when I run the lineup optimizer is I'll look at what the projected ownerships are, and then I'll go up or down from there based on how I personally feel about the fight. So I'll, I'll probably be on target with ownership for, Silva, and I might be a little higher on MAGA. We'll have to see. All right. Um, next fight up, it is Victoria Dudakova at 9200 on DraftKings, taking on Jin Yu Fry at 7000. The line on this fight is very wide. Uh, Dudakova minus 500, Jin Yu Fry plus 360. And you know, I mean, I don't know. I, like I'm picking her to win, but this line seems to at least partially be predicated on the fact that her last fight ended so quickly, but it's almost like it's an algorithm that didn't know it ended due to an injury. Like, yeah, she can brawl in the pocket. She's got some nice boxing. She's got nice takedowns. I mean, that was the closest thing to a low single uh, that we've seen in a while. Um, the, the shot that she actually hit that uh, caused the injury to end the fight to Nunes there. Um, Jinyu Fry is uh like very like you're very you're very like a journey fighter like uh, like an okay boxer uh physically strong 
Good takedown defense, 87% takedown defense, I believe, coming into this fight. Um, not very agile. Can wrestle a little bit offensively by herself. Uh, I think due to Kova's um, volume in the pocket, and as well as her smothering uh, takedowns, even if she doesn't land them against the fence, will be enough to get a victory here. I don't love the salary, uh, especially with all the other uh, high-salary players we have here. We had a couple 11-fight cards. This is 13, so this is, you know, we don't need to be, uh, you know, dumpster diving uh, uh, too much, or, or I should say we don't need to be, like, playing every favorite because um, of the scarce of the scantness of the card. We can sort of uh, tend to lay back here. At least I think we can. So I'm probably going to be – I was going to say dog or pass, but I don't know what Ginny Frey can really do at that price either. So maybe, maybe it's just pass or pass uh, for this one for me. I'm probably just going to be sitting this one straight out. And um, as you are so fond of saying, Joe, if Dudakova does hit the mark, it'll be a, a big pork chop to eat. But um, I think I'm going to set my sights a little further up the card and uh, and leave this one be uh, uh, t tomorrow. What do you think about uh, that strategy, Joe? Yeah, so – you know, quick story on Dudakova, right? You you referenced that, you know, her fight against Nunez, you know, she essentially won within the first minute um, on an injury, you know, which when you win in the first minute on DraftKings, you roll up quite a score. Yeah. Uh, so the quick story here is that I dabble, I don't dabble, I've actually gotten into it pretty big, in Rainmakers for UFC. And uh, there was a gated contest, meaning that, you know, if you met some level of criteria and, and anybody who plays major league is gets invited to these gated contests. So I entered a, a bunch of lineups into this contest and I had a lineup with Dudakova as captain and I ended up winning the contest because of that. It was imagine, uh, the yeah. trip to uh, to go see the Boston card by DraftKings. So, you know, they you know, you go up there and, and you know, you, you they give you like 700 bucks for travel expenses and you know, tickets to the fight and, you know, got a chance to kind of hang out with Rob Font and Calvin Cater, which was very cool. You know, the New England cartel guys, you know, joined us for dinner. So it was really cool, but it was all due to, due to COVID. Now, Jen Yu Fry is, was, is really an atom weight. That's what she, she fought a lot of fights at atom weight in Invicta. UFC does not have an atom weight. Jin Yu Fry is also a rocket scientist. I don't mean that figuratively either. I mean that like literally. She's like literally a rocket scientist. Like that's her, like her day job. So she's a really smart girl. Um, given her record, like, which is, I believe what, two and five in the UFC or something like that. It's not good. I have to believe that unless she wins, which is I think unlikely here, um, this is probably her last fight in the UFC. She's also about 37 years old. Um, Dudakova, I, I see Dudakova getting the win here. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think she's going to use her strength and maybe muscle. Um, you know, Jin Yu Fry, I, I don't want her to fall into anything stupid, um, but I'll have shares. I'm kind of with you that her price is really expensive and the line seems incredibly wide. I do see her getting the win, but there might be some nervous moments. I also think because it's a 13 fight card and because her salary is so high and the perception that the line is wide, she might be underowned. So there might be a reason to play her as a pivot or a contrarian play. I mean, look, when, when are you ever getting Islam Makachev and, and Chamaya for under nine K <laughs> right? Like 
when are you seeing a slate where neither one of those guys on the slate, never mind the fact that they're on the same slate, are are nine are not nine K? I mean, so many lineups are going to be built around using those two fighters. And if you use those two fighters, it's going to be very hard to get Dudakova in. <laughs> right. So anyway, I'm going to pick Dudakova. I don't know that it will be pretty, but I'm going to pick her and I'll I'll have shares. I'm a, I don't expect to get too much. A fry, and if that's the case, if I get burned by Jin Yu Frey, so be it. I'll, I'll probably be at market or less. Yeah, Jin Yu Frey. I mean, just not really dangerous anywhere. So even the seventy two hundred, if she wins, I would say probably cash or cash plus at best. I yeah, know, she's I, not, I, don't, I don't think she'd be optimal in a win unless right, she does I, yeah, no, crazy stupid. I, yeah. I, I couldn't see it. I mean, anything can happen. It's MMA, but mm-hmm. if if you're playing a thousand lineups, go ahead. Throw some genuine fry in, in your GPPs, but uh, anyway, uh, Drake, uh, are we making this unanimous, or are you going to wow us with your uh, first dog play of the night? Absolutely not. There, I will completely x genuine fry out of my pool entirely. I have no faith in her. She's lost three in a row. Her last fight that she did win was against Ashley Yoder, and she arguably could have well, arguably lost that fight. So. To me, the way that I see it, Dudakova is the younger talent. She's got far more ways to win. And you brought up the, you know, the price. And I was gonna mention what Joe said as well. She very well could go, you know, as a, one of those sneaky plays. She, you know, there's a lot of people above her, what five five fighters above her, all who have a chance to score really, really well. So Dudakova could, you know, be one of those contrarian plays that just sneaks her way in especially if she gets another first round finish which is entirely possible her grappling is on point if you go watch uh her takedowns in her contender fight against uh, maria silva i mean she it's beautiful she knows exactly what she's doing she i mean i fully expect her to get at least two three takedowns in the first round of this fight and if it ends there she's already over 100 yeah no absolutely i I always do like looking at those uh payup contrarian plays Uh, and you know I, grappling is always is always a key and uh, soft opponent, but uh, this one might be a little too far for me. I'll, I'll have a couple. We'll have to see. But um, for now, we'll move on to the next fight, which is uh, Nathaniel Wood at nine thousand taking on Muhammad Naimov at seventy two hundred. Line on this fight, uh, another another widely lined one. We got uh, Nathaniel Wood. I will go with this one at plus three fifty. Taking, I'm sorry, at minus 350, taking on Naimov at plus 270. And um, I think this is one where Naimov is going to try to have to ground the um, more planted Muay Thai striker in Nathaniel Wood. If he doesn't, he's going to get beat up very badly. Not that Nathaniel Wood can't wrestle grapple himself. He can, and uh, we've seen it. Not his primary weapon, I think. Generally, the dynamic in this fight is going to be that he's going to be trying to stay on the feet while Naimov is going to try to take him to the ground. That could mute his scoring a little bit because if he doesn't have space and, you know, they're up against the fence a lot, they're in 50-50 spots a lot, uh, especially up against the fence, could sort of blunt the scoring a little bit. I do think that at the very least because of the volume uh, and his own grappling ability that Nathaniel Wood is at least a cash fight. Not so sure in GPPs. Uh, and Drake, I'll go to you first. How are you seeing this fight? Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, 
a lot, there I know a couple of people that are on Namov, and I couldn't really figure out why. If you go back to his uh, contender series fight, he lost against Colin Anglin. You go back to his fights before and after up until Jamie Malarkey, and there's nobody there. And the fight against Jamie Malarkey, he was losing until he happened to get that knockout. Jamie yeah. kind of beat himself in that fight. Uh, Nate Wood is, you know, in my, my opinion, he's one of the smarter fighters in that division. And I fully expect him just to circle around and lace into him constantly. Um, but it is one of those uh, fights where, you know, in 15 minutes, he may not score enough to hit the optimal. So shares will probably be down on him. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Uh, Joe, what do you think? You're making this one unanimous or are you? Yes, but with a, with a question mark. So, All right, sure. so Wood is not a very big featherweight, right? He This is, I, I think, only his second or third fight at featherweight. And he was rocked several times by Andre Healy. Um, so his chin concerns me a little bit. Like, you know, we had questions with Malarkey's chin, you know, and Malarkey got, got nuked by Nimirov. Um you know, I, I do think Wood technically is a better fighter. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I know he had issues cutting the 135. Fine. You know, I don't think anyone should do that to their body. Um, and 145 is is an easier weight for him to fight at. But, you know, he's not a very big 145-er. And that's my fear. And the fact that, look, he was in trouble a couple of times in that fight. Obviously ended up pulling it out. And he's got he's got heart. Um, I just don't know how many how many times he can do that. Um, so yes, I like wood. I think he's pretty much better everywhere. Um, you know, look, it's no secret because uh, our friend Brett Apley on, on Mayo media network gave wood out as his, his GPP play, you know, he gives a cash play, a GPP play and an underdog. And, you know, he wanted to be a little different, a little, con not, not contrarian, but a little different. And with everybody with the, the main event fighters and, you know, he gave that out, um, as his GPP play. I'm with you, Chris. I don't know if I like Wood as much on DraftKings as I do just as a bat because I think he's going to win the fight. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, it remains to be seen what level of power he has at 145 and, you know, being able to finish this fight. So I like him. I think he's going to win, but I could easily see him hitting hitting a decision at 9K. I don't know if he's going to get enough points to make it worthwhile. So, yeah, give me Wood, but I do have a bit of a question mark behind that. I'm gonna throw something in on that real quick. Um, you brought up the the fight with Feely, and he did he did wobble him a couple of times, but I think that was more to do with Wood's positioning. I don't think he's gonna put himself in that position again. You go back and watch the fight against Jordan. I mean, we all know how Jordan fights. He gets in your face. He's a dirty boxer, and he he's got power. We know how he is. And Wood dominated that fight really um you know jordan got his strikes in and everything but I, the way that he survived that fight i think it's gonna be really similar to this one and but i mean still score wise I, he's definitely a better bet than he is a, a play on dk good yeah. ad, good ad drake and i would throw in quickly as well andre philly has always been a tricky underrated kind of striker um okay uh coming up next our next oh fi fireworks in this one watch out folks it is Ashton Jubilee at 9,300, taking on Mike Breeden at 6,900. Line on this fight, uh, another heavy one, although eh, not quite as heavy as ones we've been seeing. Minus 270 for Anjul Jubilee, plus 220 for Mike Breeden. And I will let these lunatics go in a second, but I'm going to give you the rational explanation uh, first. Not that I don't have any concerns about Anjul Jubilee, because I do. He kind of... I'm kind of worried that he's just sort of – he's so grapple-heavy that if he faces resistance on 
takedowns, he's not really going to know how to handle it, especially a guy who throws so big and so hard as Mike Breeden. But I always kind of like those fighters, too, the kind of fighters who just throw themselves into messes. And we have a couple more of them on this card at a lower weight class. Just throw themselves into messes because they know that they're going to come out on top in a scramble. Not only is that fun to watch, but it also leads to very good scores uh, on DraftKings and DFS in general if they pull it off. Uh, Jubilee 115 uh, for the last win there. And I think only two takedowns in that performance, but a lot of ground control time. And, of course, the first round finish. Um, Breeden, of course, throws hard, uh, very square, very easy, I think, to get in on, on those hips and take them down. And I think once they get on the mat, it's going to be pretty hard for Breeden to get anything done, really. So uh, the the most dangerous part of this fight is going to be uh, – we'll call, it, we'll call it the Grant Dawson zone. Uh, first couple of minutes where he's going to be on his feet, and he can, he could get lit up, absolutely. But um, I think Jubilee, you know, as a guy, I, I don't, and Joe, I think, could maybe speak to this. We'll, we'll, we'll throw it him in a minute because I'm not sure where the um, percentages are going to end up here because, you know, we don't, we know Jubilee as a guy who hasn't really won, but we don't, I mean, I'm sorry, we know Breeden as a guy who's been in the UFC, hasn't really won. We don't know Jubilee at all. So it's kind of hard for me to see where these percentages are ending up. I'm taking Jubilee and the grappling upside. I can certainly see Breeden um, much, much more of the flyer GPP play, in my opinion. But we will let these guys explain themselves uh, right now. And we'll start with Joe. Joe, why are you picking Mike Breeden? Okay, so this is my James Tahuna pick. I think this line should be pick. Uh, I don't. I, I bet Mike Breeden a plus 225. Let me tell you about the Indian regional scene in MMA. That's where Alaska FC fighters go to build up their record. Um, I like the way that I don't like, but the fact that to Nan's point there, Breeden missed weight by three and a half pounds, which means he really didn't try. You know, he got to a point where he said, you know what? I'm not going to cut anymore. So he's already given money to Jubilee, which has got to piss him off. So now he's got to win to make any kind of money at all. Um, he has fought a literal murderer's row of, of fighters. How would you like to be in the UFC and have your first three fights go against Al Alex Hernandez, Nathan Levy, and, and Terrence McKinney? Now, the fight with Levy in particular stands out. Levy has looked really good recently. He took Levy down three times and landed 115 strikes. Put up 62.3 points in a loss. Right, I think I would take that at, at six at six point nine k. I would take the sixty two points, maybe. Um, but I really do think he's he's the better fighter here. I think he's going to win. Now, again, James Nahuna, For those of you guys that haven't been watching us from day one, is James Nahuna was a fighter that was a five to two favorite over a Canadian hockey player named Steve Bosey, who was on his couch and got called up. And Tahuna had quite a losing streak going into that fight. But the reason why he was a five to two favorite is because of who he fought against and who beat him and the better fighters who beat him. Um, it did not end up well for James Tahuna. Um, Bosey just KO'd him, flash KO'd him. So when I say James Tahuna, I am trying to buck the trend where the guy that actually is lost to better fighters is in fact going to win, in which case I believe he is. I don't understand this line at all. The line has tightened up a little bit, not much. I think it's still out there at plus 220. And I will give you guys, as our hot take, I'll give you guys a parlay that I've also played, or I should say a round robin that I also played. Um, but I like Mike Breeden. Um, 
I like them inside the distance at plus 400. I took a little taste of that. And I think this line is wrong. I think it's really wrong. Um, and again, when, you know, when you're fighting in a scene where Alaska FC fighters go to build their records, I don't, I can't endorse a fighter coming from that. And he did not look particularly good in his, you know, road to the championship series or whatever, whatever series he was in to get him a contract in the UFC. So I like Mike Reed and I expect to have a fair amount of ownership. I'm definitely going to be over market. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm two to three times market at 6.9 K, you could really do a lot. And just quick tip here, and I know I've been going on for too long. There are slates where I like to build my lineups from the bottom up, meaning like I look at what dogs I like, and I'll put them in the optimizer just to see how many combinations of the higher level fighters I could get by using that that one or two, those one or two underdogs that I like. So I expect that's going to be the way that I, I build lineups. I haven't built lineups yet for this card. I tend to always wait for there to be late news so I don't have to go back and edit everything. But when I build lineups, I expect to build them from the bottom up, and I'm going to have a lot of breeding. You're up, Drake. All right. Uh, Drake, add to the insanity, if you would. As I will. So, Joe, before you got on the show, I was talking to Chris how the more I go into this, the more that I look at it, the more I like breeding. And for every reason that Joe highlighted, it is, it's pretty much the case. You know, uh, Juby likes to stand tall before he shoots in. And, I mean, like uh, – one of the comments that says that Breeden was smaller in the standoff. You're damn straight he was, and Jubilee stands tall, and that's a great way to get your chin just taken right out. So I have I, I like Breeden more and more. I you know everybody knows that he's 0-3, but like Joe said, his competition that he fought was actually pretty darn good. And you know, this is a really, really good spot to get him at 6.9. So a question then for both of you: would Jubilee qualify, even though you don't like him as one of the contrarian payoffs or do you think he'll be uh more highly owned than some of those other i don't think he's going to be highly owned at all i think he's priced way too high but if there are people that are just looking at i mean i think he's probably the highest priced i, I look i don't want to say something i'm not sure of but in terms of his salary correlated to his odds i i don't think there's a real good metric there for jubilee but Again, I'd have to look at it a little closer and see who's around him, but I can't believe he's going to be highly owned. So yeah, like if you want to be unique, if you want to be a contrarian, um, I will tell you that um, I do 20 hand builds and and the rest when I'm doing more than 20 lineups. And I don't do more than 20 lineups every week, but this week I am. My first 20 are always hand builds. I would be very surprised if I got to Jubilee in one of my 20 hand builds. I'll certainly have shares of him in you know, in the, the other 130 that I'm, I'm doing, uh, you know, I, I want, I like to spread to everybody, but I'd be very surprised if I could create a lineup that I like with, with Jubilee in there um, in my, my 20 hand belts. All right. Um, and so now we move on to, oh my goodness, another uh, squash line. And these are going to get better soon, but, but they got much worse first. It is uh, Javid Basharat at, Oh, I got mesmerized by the line here. Where's, where's the, where's the, uh, the DraftKings number? It is Javi Basharat at 9,400, taking on Victor Henry at 6,800. The line on this fight, and you'll see why right now, minus 600 for Javi Basharat, plus 425 for Victor Henry. And I agree with the general sentiment. I think Basharat's going to win, but I can't ever endorse this line almost on anybody. Uh, at minus 600. I like Basharat a lot. I like his pressure. I like 
the crispness of his strikes. I like that he'll mix in his takedowns. Love that pressure. Um, Victor Henry, you know, the guy who came in on his U- UFC debut, beat Honey Barcelos. Now, maybe that win doesn't look as great in hindsight. I think Barcelos kind of fell off a little bit harder than some of us. Certainly, I expected him to have gone a little bit farther. I don't know if he was ever title chip contender material, but I did expect him uh, to go a little bit further here nonetheless. Um, Victor Henry, you know, definitely very scrappy, definitely powerful, um, definitely has some quickness. I'm going to take Basharat here. This line is is tough. I mean, I know that Basharat mixes everything in well. He could score really well even in a three-round decision with the wrestling and the striking. I get it all. Um, I don't know. It, it's a tough one for me. Uh, Drake, help me uh, help me assuage this here. Why is Basharat a good play for DFS? I'm actually one of the ones that's not on him for DFS. Uh, You know, and there's a a few reasons for it. Don't get me wrong. Basharat's, you know, both of them, really, him and his brother, you know, they've got excellent striking, very technical, very clean, and then the wrestling on top of it. Um, What worries me about this fight, and I think Victor Henry is live um, for a few reasons. He's one of those fighters that is in in the fight the entire time. He's never been finished in almost 30 fights. And I mean, he's, he's a guy that fights for your money. He's not going to give up. He's not going to, you know, sit down on his back. He's going to be in there every second. He loves the box. You know, he loves dirty boxing. He likes to be up close. He likes to throw elbows and knees and his wrestling isn't terrible. So, I mean, Basharat, there's no doubt about it. He's, he should win this fight. The odds are quite a bit off, but for DFS, he's, I'm, I'd rather be low owned. Yeah, no, no, I agree totally. Uh, Joe, do you agree as well, or are you? I mean, I think this be your ultimate contrarian, but uh, what, Jeez, what I can't believe that we haven't had Drake on sooner. I mean, um, if I was playing cash, I would have Victor Henry as one of my my six in cash. Um, you know, this guy has put up two hundred points in both of his wins. Um, only lost to Rafael Sunsau. Um, I don't see Basharat as a finisher. I don't, I don't, I haven't, I don't have him up, but I don't think he's been a high scorer in any of his fights either. Um, look, I am going to pick, I don't like him as much as I like Breeden, but I'm going to pick him here as, as, as an underdog. Um, wow. I think it'd be fight. I think it could be close. And I think, unfortunately, I, I'm not sure how the judging is going to work, but I think um, close, closely judged fights are going to go to the regional fighters, which in this case is Basharat. Um, because I, I don't necessarily, I don't see Henry having finishing upside here, but I do, I do like him a bit. And I think, again, I think he makes a lot of sense in cash at 6.8 K if I was going to play cash. So I'm going to probably be over market. I have to look at what ownership is, but I'm going to be over market to, to Henry and um, I'll probably be under to Basharat. All right. So two major dog picks. Uh, I'm glad I, I am not uh, the crazy one on the panel today. Uh, but for now, we will go to, oh, this fight is so much fun because I love that this fight is as closely lined as it is, but we'll get to it. It is Trevor Peak at 8,200, taking on Muhammad Yaya at 8,000. Line on this fight, uh, Peak at minus 170, uh, Muhammad Yaya at plus 140. And I have resolved never to pick Trevor Peak in a UFC fight. I'm never going to do it. Uh, he's too wild. He throws hammer fists from boxing range. I doubt he's even looking at his opponent half the time when he's swinging. Um, my concern is, and I do have some, 
is that uh, Muhammad Yaya can start slowly sometimes. I think he does throw the crisper shots uh, for sure. He can grapple a little bit, but I've definitely seen fights of his where he's really slow getting off the blocks. Uh, could be could be a thing where he fights to the speed of his opponent, in which case he'll be fighting plenty fast here. But, um, yeah, Trevor Peak is not a UFC fighter. I refuse to officially pick him in any fight he's in. But he could get a win here um, just by he's, – he's still at a stage where he's fighting – fighters who could lose to just a swarming opponent so as long as he's at this stage of opponent he's live but um, i will never officially pick him and uh we're gonna start with joe are you um taking the whirling dervish or are you taking his opponent i like trevor peak a lot in this fight okay. I mean, he opened he opened at plus 120 and now he's minus 170 so there's a lot of money i, I don't know if there's still enough value but uh you know, burying the lead, you know, Peak is one of my parlay pieces um, uh, in my round robin. Um, I do like Peak here. Uh, I think this is a perfect matchup for him. Um, I don't think a whole hell of a lot of his opponent at all. Um, and I think this is a very winnable fight. Um, you know, so I kind of, uh, I'm not sure what Nan is saying here. Is an LFA prelim? He's a guy who would fight at the prelims on LFA. Oh, I see. I see. Right, yeah. right. Um Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm on Trevor peak here. Um, I, I, I have him in my part. I have him in my round Robin with, uh, with Mr. Uh, Breeden. Um, so uh, give me Trevor peak. Uh, I think this fight in, has a, has the best inside the distance line on the card. I may be wrong about that, but I think I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not. So you want to have exposure to this fight. I'm, I'm going to have some of both sides, but I like peak a lot. So I'm going to be over market on peak. Okay, I, I will never say the sentence, I like Peak a lot in my life, uh, but let's see if Drake will. Drake, what do you got for this one? Uh, before I go into that, um, unless the fight moved, I think we skipped over uh, Azadar and Dumas. Ah, yes, we did, and okay. uh, we will circle back to it, but go right Just, ahead. Thank you. Anyways, no, I, I'm with Joe again. I love Trevor Peak, and you can say whatever you want. Uh, his fight, you know, I the way that I look at it is I don't see how Yaya has a chance to win. I don't know where he wins until maybe the third round if Peak has gassed himself out. Um, and by that time, Yaya might be six feet in the ground because if he starts out slow like he has in the majority of his fights, he is going to get swarmed immediately, and you could potentially be looking at a 60-second bonus on DK. So. And at 8,200, that's going to be massive. It's instant optimal, and I'm definitely going to be overweight on peak. Yeah, no, he starts slow. There's no question about it, and uh, that could that could mean disaster. But come on, guys. Trevor B. can't fight in the UFC. Come on, guys. He can't do it. Uh, all right. Uh, we, got our, we got our verdict there, and as promised, I will circle back. I was just so excited to talk about Trevor Peak, But uh, we will go now to – the fight that I, I very clearly missed. Oh, I, actually, I, I, I missed a two-back. I'm so sorry about that. Uh, but nevertheless, it is. Uh, oh, here we go. As we say, Cedricus Dumas, thank you, at 8,400, taking on Abu Zaitar at 7,800. The line on this fight, Dumas at minus 250. Azaitar coming back, plus 205. As far as I am concerned, Cedricus Dumas does not have a UFC win yet. He had a win over Cody Brundage. That did not count. 
Cody Brundage uh, just quits in every fight now. I mean, for at least the past six months to a year, starting with um, um, this fight against the Black Belt Hunter, whose actual name I have forgotten, but that is his nickname, when he jumped for the guillotine, uh, which was a remarkably bad decision in that fight. And now in his, in Brundage's fight with uh, Dumas, he jumped for about four or five guillotines. It was the lost position every time. Really, really just gave the fight uh, to Dumas. I'm not counting that. He's actually going to be in there with somebody who's going to try to win this time. Uh, Abu Zaitar, been a couple of years, I think, since we've seen him in the octagon. But uh, very tough. That that fight against Marc-Andre Barrio, who I'm mean, talking about. We're talking about pressure fighters. We're talking about relentless guys. Marc-Andre Barrio is going to be the guy who hits the gas. And 101 strikes as I landed in that fight. Um, so he's going to be in there. He's going to try to win. Uh, Dumas, I can't trust him to beat around, be the real fighters, I guess what he'd say. Azaitar is going to, can try to wrestle. He can try to grapple. Um, he, he had no problem trying to wrestle Vitor Miranda, also a kickboxer. I think he's going to come in here and know what to do. I just can't see myself clear to pick and Dumas in this, in this spot. And Drake, we'll start with you. Are you going with, uh, Dumas for his first, and I say first UFC win? I'm going to start out by saying I hate this fight. I'm not a fan of it. I don't care for it. Um, as I tar, like you said, he last fought two years ago. And before that, it was another two years that he last fought. He's now 37. He clearly lost a step in that fight. And that was two years ago. If Dumas has any brain cell, he'll be patient in this fight. He will let Azaitar gas, and then he will just wrap him up. Um, Azaitar will be the better grappler, the better wrestler. This is a fight that he should win. Um, Azaitar does have power, so Dumas does need to respect it. But yeah, I just I don't see Azaitar coming out and you know being this new fighter that can do anything more than what Cody Brundage did. So I'm right. on Dumas. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I respect that take. Certainly, certainly not, uh, certainly not marquee names here is, uh, is one way to put it. Uh, Joe, who, who you got in this one? So, so here's the deal, right? So Azatar is not a full-time fighter, right? He's independently wealthy. Um, if you notice, he only fights on cards in, in the Middle East. I, I heard he is specifically asked to be on this card just because he wanted to invite friends, um, to, to watch the fight. Seriously. Um, so I think that it, with a full camp, I would pick Azatar over Dumas. Um, and I'm actually still going to pick him just because I don't think much of, 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 uh, of Dumas here. Um, but I think he's a one to one and a half rounder bust fighter. I think if, if he, I think he could potentially, cause he throws hard, he throws wild shots. He could connect with something because, you know, we're not talking about a Mensa candidate that he's going up against. So if he connects with something, I could certainly see a greasy type of knockdown, you know, like, so for that reason, I'll have a few shares of him and I'll have a few shares the other way in case as a tar death gases. But I also don't love this fight. I'm, I'm going to have very low exposure to it just because I really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I could see multiple outcomes. So I'll, I'll, you know, for a pick, I'll pick a Zaitar, not very confidently. And again, I will spread some ownership around this fight, but I don't love it. And I'm only spreading ownership around because I think there's a chance that Izatar can finish him before he death gasses. 
Um, so I'll take a flyer that way, but I don't love this fight at all. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take a shot with the dog at 7.8k. All right, moving on and all caught up. It is Mohamed Makaev at 9,600, taking on uh, the veteran Tim Elliott at 6,600. Line on this one. Where did it go? It is here. Uh, minus 400, Mokaev, plus 300, Tim Elliott. And I think in a vacuum, this would pretty clearly be Mokaev's fight. Not only is Mokaev the better grappler, but we've seen people beat Tim Elliott just like this, where he grapples with them, he either gets himself tired or throws himself out of position, and then he gets submitted. So that could be bing, bang, boom, we're done, except we have not seen Mohamed Makayev since he got his knee torn apart in a win over Jairo Fialho. Um, in, a, in a bizarre fight where he may have tapped three or four times before that, don't want to open up that can of worms, but it did kind of look weird. Anyway, at the end of the fight, even though he won, was having trouble walking, had to have surgery, I believe, right? And now he's just coming back. So it's going to be really hard to know what that leg is going to look like. Obviously, to wrestle, you need that plant leg. You need uh, to be able to use it. If Tim Elliott goes for the legs, not only what is that going to be like, for the actual physical act, but is it going to mess with him psychologically? Oh my God, he's going for my leg. Uh, so there's a lot of things to consider here. And 6,600, if this was a more shallow card, like if this was 11 fights, I would say play both of these guys because this, this could be like a one, the loser scores 41 and the winner scores 95 or something like that. Um, but I, 13 fights is a little too, a little too much to do that. I would say, but, 6,600, man. Uh, we were talking about space saving before uh, Joe was. That, that's a lot of salary to save. I know, I know, I know that this is not – Mokaev should win the fight, but it's still the kind of fight that Tim Elliott likes, even if he's not that great at it. So I don't know. I got I to gotta have a couple shares in GPP, but the pick is Mokaev, and we'll start with Joe first, and we'll start with him not only because he's shaking his head in agreement with me, which – uh, kind of gets you on the first pick, but also want to hear his thoughts. So, Joe, uh, what do you think about this fight? Yeah, I'm with you, Chris. Like, if this was, if this was a more shallow card, I would be much more apt to take, you know, to give Elliot more of a shot here. Um, and I know that's that's kind of that's not that's not necessarily logical, but I do have dogs that I like more. Um, I I don't think he's a bad cash pivot off of Victor Henry because he could put up a good score in a defeat. We've seen him do that in the past. You know, the issue with Tim Elliott, and he looked much better in his last fight, but, you know, he got to the point where he was partying really hard. I think he kind of, well, we know, we know his backstory with Gina Mazzani and Kevin Kroll, and the poor guy got got cheated on on his wedding day by one by his ex-teammate. And, you know, but <clears throat> what makes me feel a little bit less sad about that for Tim Elliott is that, when he went on the contender series, you know, he, <clears throat> he, he was married and had kids and, you know, he won the contest and there goes the wife, <clears throat> you know, he goes to train in Thailand and the rumors where he was partying like a rock star. And then he, he simply bonus hunted. Like he, he was just looking for bonuses. He was gassing death gassing after a round or a round and a half. And <clears throat> he seems to be back on track. That was kind of good color that he's sponsoring the guy that's fighting. 
<coughs> Kevin Kroom and Bare Knuckles. So I will have shares of Elliot and all your points about the leg. And I'll, I'll just throw in a few more. Hasn't really fought great competition, you know, Mokiev. And he is really expensive. So I think he's be very hard to get him in the same lineup with, you know, with, 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 you know, the two favorites in the main and the co-main, um, you know, so uh, yeah, I'll have shares. I mean, this is kind of a fight where I, I don't know that I'm there yet to fade Mokiev because I want to see how he fights against the, having a true test against Tim Elliott. And if this fight is difficult for him, maybe when he steps up next time, I'll fade him. But I guess I will reluctantly pick Mokiev to win here. But I expect to have shares of Elliott because, one, I, I think that he's live. And I think he can put up points. So I'll take Mokiev. But, you know, I certainly would say play, play Elliott in some GPPs. And and even cash if you want to pivot from Henry. Yeah, I, I, I agree with your, with your alternate reasoning there. Kind of the opposite of what we always say, which is – which would be uh, he has to lose a fight like this before I could pick him to lose. And so that's where I think I am too. Uh, Drake, what about you? How are you seeing this one? Um, you know, Elliot did look better in his last fight. Prior to that, he did uh, fight. He got a win against Ulan Bekov that arguably he lost. I don't think yeah. that he won that fight. Uh, but his last time out, he, you know, he beat Victor Altamirano. And, you know, we don't really know the status on Altamirano, where he stands, you know, in, you know, in the rankings, how good is he? Um, you know, so if you look at the the records of who's fought who, Tim Elliott's won four of the last five, not the greatest competition. Okayev's won all four of his UFC fights, not the greatest competition. I think the biggest issue that I have in this fight is Elliott likes to put himself in danger and you can't do that against Mokayev. Um, and this could easily be one of those fights where Mokayev does another 10 day takedowns and just completely blows the slate up. Um, or it could be, you know, three takedowns in the first round and he submits him. Uh, no matter which way you look at it, I think the only way that Elliot wins this fight is if he gets the takedown and he controls him. I don't think he's got a chance to submit him. I don't think he has a chance to knock him out. It's it's going to be pure control. Um, so I prefer Mokayev. I, you know, at 9,600, it is hard to fit him in. Um, but you know, once again, you have to have shares of him because of that takedown threat. And you know, the points just add up so quickly when they do that. Yeah. And I would add, I mean, he did better at it the last fight, but I don't really think of Tim Elliott as a control grappler, more of just a sort of a chaotic scrambler. So, uh, definitely not Which quite that the situation. Even more. Huh? That worries me even more. Yeah. That's yeah. No, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so we are going to move on to the main card, but before we do that, we are going to take a quick break for our audio podcast listeners. And we're back with the main card. I hope, uh, you, all you people out there in audio land went and got a snack or whatever it is you did, because we are moving on to the main card. It is Saeed Nurgham. Nurmagomedov at 8,800, taking on Moin Gafarov at 7,400. Line on this fight. I guess I have to search for all of them now because uh, Best Fight Odds doesn't want to cooperate. It is minus 250 for Saeed Nurmagomedov and plus 210 for Moin Gafarov. And if we're looking at pure fade fights, uh, this is probably one of those for me. I don't really... 
see either of these guys as either A, high-volume threats, or B, I know Gafarov is going to try for takedowns. I don't expect him to be that successful against Nurmagomedov. Another one of these fights where we could see a lot of stalling 50-50, a lot of like one strike apiece from range, I go, you go, that kind of thing. Uh, This fight does not... Does not interest me at all. I'm 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 way more interested in the Azitar fight as far as DFS goes, just for the the chaos the chaos that could ensue when you get two sloppy fighters in the cage with each other. Then I am for this, which I think is just going to be like a sanitized kind of, like I say, back and forth. Maybe everybody tries to grapple and everybody fails, and then Saeed wins by decision. So that's kind of what my read is on this fight, but. We'll take it to our guests to see if they have a different view. Drake Hastings fight. I'm not a fan of Gafarov uh, at all. I mean, he came out and lost to Castaneda. Castaneda's not much of anything, at least anymore. Um, I've, you know, for cash plays, Nurmagomedov is, you know, for me, one of the safer ones on the, on the slate. He particularly if he goes to his wrestling and everybody knows Saeed is always more of a striker, but he came out, he wrestled in his last fight. He shows that he is able to do that. And Gafrov doesn't have much wrestling anywhere. He's not a wrestler. He's not a grappler. He's pretty much a pure striker. So, I mean, if Saeed is smart, he'll come out and just put him down and he'll keep him on the ground. We could see a, you know, a, a traditional Nurmagomedov fight where it's on the ground the whole time. Um, but I like Saeed in this one. I, I'm with you. I don't really want to, I, I don't want to be overweight on it on either fighter. I don't think that there's a high score that's coming out of this fight, but uh, definitely under Magomedov. Yeah, absolutely. Joe, you seen any more in this one than we are, or are you kind of bypassing it as well? No, I like Saeed as a as a bat, and this is the third leg of my my three-leg parlay with Trevor Peak, uh, Saeed, and uh, Mike Breeden, um, which pays pretty decently, um, by the way. Um, so yeah, I like Saeed too. I mean, I just don't know, um, you know, how he's going to score. That's the problem. I mean, his scoring has been very erratic and at his price point, like, I think he's what a hundred dollars more than Islam, you know, it's, it's, he's going to be hard to get to right now. Yes. He could put up, he's capable of putting up a good score. And, and like Drake alluded to, I'm not a huge fan of his competition here. So he could certainly put up a decent number. I'll have some shares of him, but I'll I'll probably be at market. He's All right. Pick. Oh, sorry, Joe, to cut you off. Nope, that's it. He's my pick. Okay. Uh, all right then. Moving on, we have it is. Ah, uh, yes, it is Ikram Alaskarov at ninety five hundred taking on uh, Warley Alves at sixty seven hundred. Feel like we have a lot of nine thousand versus six thousands on this card. Uh, especially, especially a lot that is. For a pay-per-view. Um, anyway, line on this fight, minus 550 for Aliskarov, plus 475 for Warley Alves. And this is kind of an interesting one for me, too, at least in GPPs, because Aliskarov, you know, wasn't, you know, doing the best against Phil Hawes uh, in the debut there. Caught him with a shot, uh, won the fight, definitely has power, um, definitely is a fluid striker, but so is Warley Alves. And Warley Alves... Obviously could get tired, obviously could, you know, blow the water really quick. But the first round might be interesting. I mean, we saw uh, him, we saw Worley Alves come out, get the body shot TKO on a fighter who now is not is not thought of so highly anymore. But at the time, nobody giving Worley Alves a shot in that fight either. Uh, 
you know, I didn't I didn't love what I saw in Alex Garoff before the Haas fight. I did think he was too hittable. I actually picked Haas in that fight. Was feeling good for about two minutes until the shot landed. Um, I got to go ahead and pick Alex Garoff, I guess, because I can't trust Worley Alves to carry himself uh, for 15 minutes anymore. And I don't expect him to come out and storm and finish. I expect him to have spots of success in this fight, uh, Worley Alves. I do. But I just don't think he's going to be able to carry it through. And I think ultimately Alex Garoff wins the fight. Um, if he gasses and if he gets finished, could lead to a decent score for Alex Garoff. Um, so the finish is live. So I guess you have to consider paying up for him also. And that's a little more enticing because of Alves's history of, of you know, getting left for dead in there. But that's a little hard for me too. But the pick is Alice Garoff. And uh, Joe, we'll start with you first. How are you seeing this fight? Yeah, so Alice Garoff is 14-1. and one. His one loss is to Kazmat Shemaev. <laughs> um, that is his only loss. He's 14-1. and one. Um, You know, you're sitting around, you know, doing whatever you do in Dagestan. I don't know, man, like eating bear meat, whatever. And... You're told you're that That's you're, you're not doing. fighting Paul Costa. You're not fighting Imanov. You're fighting Wally Alves on short notice, right? This is the easiest of those three opponents by a mile. Now, Alves has got to be the oldest 32 years old fighter in the UFC. I mean, he seems like he's been around, you know, for 20 years, right? Like Wally Alves has been around for a long time. Now, he's always over, overly mus- muscular and he gasses when he has full, full camps. Taking this fight on short notice is not going to bode well for him. Now, a lot has been made of his 80% takedown defense. I get it. Um, he's fighting a badass Russian on short notice. Um, I like Aliskov here. I don't know how easy it's going to be to get to him at 9.5K. Um, but I do like him here. Um, yeah, I'll take a flyer or two with Alves. Apparently, he has this really good guillotine that I heard about. Um, but again, a badass Russian, um, you know, finding out that he's not fighting, you know, two guys that are arguably much better than Wally Alves. Alves is flying from Brazil, you know, to Fight Island. I mean, I just think, you know, all the optics. <clears throat> uh, give me Alaskarov here. Um, I'm g- I got to figure out how to get him into my DraftKings lineups, but I certainly like him here. Yeah, I think he has to be the play uh, one way or the other. Drake, do you agree or... Are you going to amaze us all here? Uh, Lee Skarov is one of my favorite plays on the slate. Uh, Joe, you just brought up his uh, guillotine. The last time he had a submission win and the last time he had a guillotine was back in 2015. Uh, I I don't see that coming. So good luck with that one. But, yeah, he took this fight on short notice. Like you already mentioned, his cardio is already not the greatest. And, I I mean, I think Lee Skarov is going to play around with him the first two minutes and then he puts him away in the next three, sometime within the next three. He uh, is by far the quicker fighter in this one. And I, I just think Elise Grav just runs through him. All right. Yeah, no, absolutely could happen. Uh, let's move on to the next fight. It is uh, Magomed and Kalayev at 9,100, taking on Johnny Walker at 7,100. Line on this Fight, oh, there it is, minus 360 for Magomed and Goliath to come back on Johnny Walker, plus 285. And Johnny Walker is the most fascinating fighter in the UFC to me. He's been in the organization for five years, uh, I think longer than that even, maybe six years, 
and I have no idea what kind of fighter he is at all. Um, he's either winning fights by explosivity or he's having these very boring kind of like, I'm going to get to SBG and try to become an outfighter now kind of point battles. Even the last couple of fights that he won were um, due to explosion. He kind of just, you know, had uh, Paul Craig on one leg and started punching him. And then he won the fight. Uh, that was one of the infamous uh, Anthony Smith hurts himself fights, I believe. And then they, they kind of limped to a decision. And then Kutalaba, they they just went back and forth scrambling at each other for one round until he found a sub. Um, he's never fought a fighter like Ankalaev, who is just methodical, patient, defensive, and good everywhere. I don't see, I don't, I would really be surprised if this is the kind of fighter that Johnny Walker could just blitz and get out of there. I really don't see it happening. I think at 9,100, I think uh, Ankalaev, is like the perfect cash play uh, uh, with some upside, a little bit of upside maybe in GPPs. He can't, he does tend to fight slower, but Johnny Walker fights so quickly, it might not matter, um, or, or at least tends to. Uh, we've seen exceptions. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if you're asking me who wins this fight, I, I literally think Magomed win, loses this fight almost never. And... Uh, I, I, I really would be surprised if he, he gets out there and gets blissed. And if he doesn't, he's just going to pick Johnny apart and maybe out-wrestle him for good measure. So my pick is definitely, definitely, definitely uh, on Kaliev. And we will go to Drake first. Drake, how do you see this I completely agree with you. I think Ankalaev is the best fighter in this division. He's certainly the most complete fighter in this division. He won that fight against Blahovich. I cannot believe that they gave that a draw. It is still one of the most ridiculous calls of the year. Uh, Uncle Ive should have the belt right now. That said, uh, the winner of this fight should have another title shot coming up. And I'm with you. It should be Uncle Ive. Johnny Walker has seven-inch reach advantage, and I think that's the only advantage he's going to have in this fight. And, uh, you know, this is one of those fights where if he tries to come out wild, he's either going to get put on his back or he's going to get countered right in the, you know, right in the face so i love uncle live i think he i agree with you he is one of the safer cash plays and especially at his price point yeah i, I think this one is straightforward but joe has surprised me before joe how you seeing this one chris you speak any russian <laughs> i do not sir so i know one word of russian yes and the one word of russian i know is skutchny okay and skutchny is russian for boring <laughs> and that is how uncle Lev fights Right. So your, your point is well taken as it relates to cash games. Um, I, I don't think the UFC likes him all that much because he's not a really exciting fighter. Um, I agree. It was kind of a travesty. Even Blankowitz didn't think he won that fight. Um, interesting judging there. But, you know, he just doesn't do enough. I mean, he's low volume. He looks to counter. I would love him to get his wrestling to work and make short work out of Johnny Walker, who's just got flaws galore. In his game, um, you know, I wish I could. I wish I had a crystal ball because if he fights the way he's capable of fighting against an opponent like Johnny Walker, who is not in the same league as Jan Blankovitz, if he fights like he's capable of fighting, he could be a really good GPP play, right? And and probably underowned because he hasn't scored really well. I just don't know if he's going to do that. But in case he does, I'll have a couple shares. Um, you know, I, I don't know where I'll probably be right on ownership, whatever that is, you know, in, in, in the mass entry, 
but I'll, you know, he's, he's my, he's the obvious pick for me. Yeah, I do think that one was pretty straightforward, but now we get to uh, something a little more dicey and it is the co-main event. Although something a little more interesting. Certainly it is Hamzat Shimaev at 8,900. Take it on the former world throwaway champ, Kamaru Usman at 7,300 line on this fight. It's so wide for a Kamaru Usman fight. It's minus 350 for Chimaev, uh, Usman uh, plus 260. And look, Usman has a lot going against him here. He's flying halfway around the world, or maybe all the way around the world. Uh, he's uh, hasn't fought in a while, but now there's Chimaev, but we'll get to that. He's fighting at middleweight. This is technically a middleweight fight, I believe, which I don't think Usman has ever done before. I think that when he, he, when he fought Sean Strickland, they were both middleweight, uh, welterweights rather. So I don't think he's ever done that before. Nonetheless, um, Chimaev still doesn't have any. His one, his one really good win against the guy he couldn't outgrapple. He had to go to absolute war with him. Absolute war with him. Whoever he couldn't outgrapple, I just don't see. I just don't see it, and I just don't see him outgrappling Usman even at the higher weight class. Now, what I will say is that we have seen when. Guys go up in weight, especially when they're not used to it. If it's like their first time up in a weight class, they have a harder time with the wrestling. We saw it, I think, more, most famously with Rockhold against Blagovich, where he thought he was just going to come up uh, to light heavyweight, take everybody down. That didn't happen. Um, I think Guzman is strong enough. I think he's big enough and a good enough wrestler where that's not going to make all that much difference here. But I do have to acknowledge that there are, are some things – some major things going against Kamaru Usman. Still, um, I don't think we can fade him at this price. And um, I kind of wish Monk was here because I wonder if this has ever happened before where the big underdog in the fight has more average drafting points per fight than the big favorite does. It's 117.2 to uh, 115.7. So that alone, if you're just if you're just looking at numbers there, that is kind of an incredible stat. To yeah, where... but I mean, you have to also have to look at the fact that Uz, most of Usman's fights of, of late have been five rounds. That's true. That's true. Yeah, so, that you know, true. That, that's a big part of that. No, it, it's true. I, I was just pointing out that uh, it's just sort of a, a curiosity on my part more so that you don't really see the underdog better than the favorite in that way. But that is true and is a fair point. But um Still, I gotta take Usman. I, another one of these, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to cop out behind this saying, but I know we've. I've already used it once tonight. But this is a fight where Chimaev has to win before I can pick him to win it. Um, there's still so much we don't know about him, uh, and I just, I just don't know if he's ready to face this this competition. I'm not. I don't want to do MMA math here. We saw how easily Kamara Usman beat uh, Gilbert Burns. A, a tough first couple of minutes, notwithstanding. So, yeah, I got to see it first. And um, for the savings, for the value, for the money, I'm taking Kamara Usman. We will start uh, this co-main event action with Joe, I believe. Joe, what do you got? So we got Popgate, and we're not talking about – Oh, yes. Like, we're not talking about, like, who Britney Spears has had sex with. Did it pop or did it not pop, right? My, my Look, I so want to pick Usman here. I mean, if, if this was a, a healthy Usman, Three rounds is actually going to work in his favor here because he didn't have the training camp, right? Fighting, coming off of five-round fights that that both went deep, right? 
this is going to, this is going to be, you know, he's going to be able to manage his cardio a lot better here. My concern is what kind of shape is he in? How are his knees? You know, like I, all the points you made about Hazmat are, are 100% accurate. I mean, you know, he's, he's looked really good against some subpar guys. He's looked okay against good fighters, but he hasn't fought on, he hasn't fought anyone remotely at the same level of, of Usman. So I really badly want to pick Usman here and I will be playing Usman a fair amount in DraftKings, but I got to pick a winner here and I'm going to pick Kazmat just again, because I am not as confident that his knees are right. Um, I did not understand any of the whole like dialogue that he was saying, or just backtracking on whether his knee popped or not. Um, you know, an in shape Usman going three rounds and not five against the guy who hasn't been tested. Yeah. Sign me up all day. And I'm going to take some shots at that, but absent that I'm going to, I'm going to play. I'm going to say Cosmot's the winner here. All right. And uh, Drake, what about you? Are you taking the uh, dog? Or are you rolling with Hamza Chimaev? I am also running with uh, Chimaev. I'll have my shares of Usman just because, you know, if you told me that Usman was going to come out pre-fourth round in 30 seconds with 30 seconds left, Usman, I'd, I'd have him all day. Um, you know, it, it's hard to tell where he is mentally. It's hard to tell where he's at physically. And it's a, it's another short notice fight. It's a, it's a tough one to call. And, you know, Hamzat's definitely going to have the speed, uh, you know, in this one. The, the, only, the biggest thing that worries me is if uh, Usman can put him up into the clinch because we haven't seen Hamzat work defensively in the clinch. He's fine offensively. There's no doubt about it. But Usman is definitely going to be a lot stronger at 185. And it's tough to say. I mean, I think you still have to have your shares of Usman. There's no doubt about it because he can definitely still score well. And in 15 minutes, he could also finish him. It, we could, you know, this could be one of those fights where Hamzat just rushes forward and Usman finds the mark with a counter. He's got you know that type of power. But I, I got to go with Hamzat in this one and, you know, just continue with the, the guy that's, you know, been fighting really, really well. Yeah, no, I, I understand. My biggest concern, I just hope we don't see a TJ Dillashaw situation as concerns uh, Usman. But as long as that happens, I feel pretty okay about it, but we shall see. All right, it's main event time, folks. It is Islam Makhachev at 8,700, taking on Alexander Volkanovsky at 7,500. Line on this fight. Nope, that's not the... Islam Makachev fight I want. There it is. Minus 250 for Makachev, plus 200 comeback on Volkanovsky. And, you know, this could be, you know, I hate the term weight bully, not the least of which because Colby Covington invented it uh, seemingly, but because it's it's not really, it, that's just not all there is to it. You know, with grappling, it's about weight distribution, and it, there's a lot more to sticking your opponent on his back, then uh, you weigh more than me. So I don't really like that aspect of it, but I will concede that um, when they were in those grapple positions, especially I'm thinking of the body lock um, that that uh, Volkanovski rather was in in the second round, um, he did have some trouble getting away. Now, uh, Islam didn't really hurt him or advance to more advantageous positions or work to finish 
in those positions. And of course, we know the third round, uh, Islam kind of looking surprised on his back, um, kind of bleeding out the minutes there. Uh, so not a good look. They both hurt each other during the fight at different uh, at different junctures. I still got to like uh, Volkanovski for uh, the speed, of course, which I do. And I generally tend to, to pick uh, speedier fighters here. And again, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but I when, if a fight's this close, I'm going with the savings. And um, the bantamweight champion is the champion for a reason. I think he looked really good. In that Makachev fight, I didn't have a problem with Makachev winning it. I thought that was fine. I didn't think it was a robbery or anything. But um, you know, I just think, I just think with another bite at the apple, Volkanovski. You know, I, I, I haven't lost all my faith in in city kickboxing yet. So uh, let's see how this goes. And uh, I am picking Volkanovski, the two dogs in the co-main and the main event. And let's see what adjustments he has made. And uh, Drake, we're going to kick this one off with you. Yeah, I, you know, I'm on Volkanovski as well. I was on him the first fight. I'm going to stay on him in this one. And if there's a, a fighter that knows how to make mid-fight adjustments better than just about everybody, it's Volkanovski. And, and you know, he, I think he learned that in that first fight, he can't start slow. He can't be patient. And, and now he knows exactly what Islam's going to do. I think at this point, there's nothing new that Islam can show us, but there's plenty of new things that Volk can show us in this fight specifically. Um, we know what Islam wants to do. He wants to on the mat. He, I mean, if he wants to stand and strike with Volkanovski for 25 minutes, he's going to get knocked out. Um, so, I, you know, I, I like Volkanovski a lot in this one. I think that he's going to have a massive advantage on the feet. I think he's going to be quicker, and I don't think he's going to make the same mistake he did in the first one and allow that much uh, control. I mean, Islam's big thing is he's going to try to submit him. And, I mean, if the way that I look at it, if Brian Ortega couldn't submit him in that in that fight, I, I, I don't see Islam doing it. So, I love Volkanovski. You know, it's it's one of those things where if you're going to go Islam, there's no hate to it. It's a, it's an excellent play. There's going to be plenty of people, probably the majority of people on him. But I'm with Volkanovski, and I'm going to be heavy on him. Yo, take us home. Yeah, so huh. I'm letting the narrative talk me off of, of Volkanovski. I, by the way, I should preface this by saying Volkanovski is my is probably my favorite fighter. I mean, I have I have always made money off him. I love the guy. I, I remember when he debuted and I was kind of like reaching out to like Aussies on Twitter to see what they could tell me about him. I, I love the guy. Here's the problem that I'm, I'm having. And it's it's all narrative based. Remove the narrative and, and I am on Volkanovski. The last fight, full camp, Perth, Australia. Since then, injury, operation. You know, Volkanovski was not allowed to train until mid-September. So he could not get back into the gym to do any training till mid-September. He had a birthday. He didn't know he was fighting. So what do you do when you're not training a fight for a fight? You celebrate your birthday. So he had a nice wild birthday celebration. Now on 10 days notice, he's coming in to fight, you know, the champ who is in shape, who's had a full camp, who is not flying to Perth, Australia. Um, and again, I did not see ceremonial weigh-ins. So you guys tell me, I have seen several comments in Brett Apley's discord that say Volkanovsky's look soft. I've never seen Volkanovsky look soft in my entire life. In any fight that he's ever been in, he's looked like he was chiseled out of stone. 
Now, you guys tell me, did either one of you guys see the the weigh-ins, the ceremonial weigh-ins? I did not. Um, it, 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 no, none of that stuff, free fight, really bothers me anyway. I, uh, uh, that bothers me a lot. And, and, that, and that's the problem. So I'm going to have, look, I love Volkanovski. I'm going to have shares of Volkanovski. I won, I won two 555 tickets, two tickets to the 555 contest. I won him playing some other sport. <laughs> um, and I am going to play one lineup. One of those lineups is going to have Volkanovsky in it, right? So I do like Volkanovsky. I like him a lot. I just, the deck is, the deck is stacked against him here. And it's a five-round fight. It's not like Usman coming into a three-round fight. It's Volkanovsky on on a short camp, and not only a short camp, but he wasn't able to do any training from July to mid-September. He had the surgery in July, could not do any training till mid-September, right? So it's not like you could say like, hey, these guys are professionals. He doesn't have a day job. He's always in the gym. Like, I get all that, right? That was not the case here because he had a scheduled surgery. So... I'm really letting the narrative drive my pick here. And because of that, I'm picking Islam Makachev. All right. That closes uh, the official fight picks. But we are not done yet. We are going to move over to hot takes. You got something juicy, something you feel like is going to play that will pay off. Uh, let us know in the comments. We are going to start off right here. And Joe, I know, has been wanting to tell us his parlay. So, Joe, the floor is yours. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, you know, I, I pretty much gave it out over the course of the show, but just, you know, for people who are tuning in late, um, I, I did a round robin, which includes twos and threes, meaning that um, I, I, I win if three fighters win, I win if two of the three fighters win, um, and uh, uh, the round robin includes um, Mike Breeden, it includes Trevor Peak, and it includes Sad Namagamedov. Now, I also bet Mike Breeden straight up at plus two twenty five. So that's my round robin. You know, that's the bet I made. It will pay you. Hang on. I will tell you probably somewhere around seven to one is I'm guessing, you know, something like that. If you, if you wanted to put that in, um, I did hit a number of, well, aside from the PRP, I also hit some parlays last week as well. Um, but you know, that is my, that is my hot take. All right. Uh, Drake, what about you? What do you got for us? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the same thing that uh, I was talking to my buddy about. And I've got Volkanovsky by knockout. All right. And um, I just have to be antagonistic because I think it's going to be fun. I'm going to say uh, Muhammad Yaya knocks out Trevor Peak, And that's plus 350, I believe. Um, so that is the hot takes for this evening. I know that uh, Drake is going to be in my DMs when that doesn't happen to tell me how bad of a – uh, I take that was, but for now, we'll, let's see if we have anything in the comment section. Come on, boys, uh, move it or lose it. We got Nan here saying, ah, "There we go." Wow, love that, man! That would be a huge. That would be a huge hot take. That'd be massive. Now that would be nice, uh, and you know you can see it because as as Joe said, and, and I think we we all kind of agreed. Um, a lot of holes in Walker's game. Uh, Uncle Iya very sharp and. Uh, don't need to be all that powerful when you're that sharp and your opponent is just sort of running into you, force and all that. Uh, anybody else? Going once, going twice. All right, folks, that is going to do it then. Thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you, as always, Drake Burden for filling in once again. 
I definitely enjoyed it, sir. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. You know that. Uh, we always enjoy having you. Great job this week. Uh, everybody, good luck in your contest. Uh, actually, and we didn't even mention this, by the way, in case you don't know, 10 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow morning, start of the card. So nice and early. Everybody, everybody get up to watch. If, hey, Chris, uh, how does one follow Drake? Uh, how does one follow Drake? He, follow Drake on Twitter at, at D Bergs. Do I have that right? Mm-hmm. All right. So and where else one might, where, where else might one find Jay? Ah, well also can find all of his lovely content on rotowire.com. Of course, as well as mine, uh, my MMA mashup article, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, we have all of that out of the way. Joe, would you like to plug anything for I only do, I only do Twitter. So at Sun Tzu. Okay. Um, you know, I, 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 I do some some side work sometimes for DFS Army and Daily Fan MMA, but it's it's really kind of periodically. Um, so, yeah, you loved having Drake on. He's a smart man. He agreed with me a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we're not going to hold that against him at all. <laughs> definitely want to have him on again. I think it would be really cool. And. You know, we are going to have some guests on. I, I I did this on Twitter. Let me make the pitch, Chris, on the show that sure. you know, we are looking for people, knowledgeable people who would like to kind of, you know, come on as a guest. Um, you know, obviously this is DFS oriented, but if you wanted to come on and just maybe break down a couple of fights, you could do that. Um, would love to get some female participation. I think that would be awesome. I've already had like three or four people reach out to me on Twitter would be interested in coming on as guests none none of them were females unfortunately uh, if you'd like to come on as a guest like i don't know man we got to get non on if if non would be willing to come on i think that would be pretty cool you know non's a long-term uh long-time follower of the show so maybe we can get non to come on sometime and if not talk about mma he could kind of like give us his theory on <laughs> peace in the middle east or something um but in any case um yeah so that's it at sun Tzu. Um, great, great pod guys. Peace. All right. And, uh, so that'll do it for us. We will see you at the next pay-per-view and, uh, good luck tomorrow morning, everybody.